If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swentoski. I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. When the sun set, I drove far, then walked further for a fish. Standing beneath a glowing canopy of unimaginable galaxies, I felt small but powerful. I inhaled crisp, foggy air and returned it as heat. My footsteps pushed waves to the far edges of a wide valley pool, and life scattered in the shallows upon my crossing. Later, as I walked the grassy banks, navigating around fallen timber, miles from any pavement or porch lamp, I stopped fighting the oppressive force, and the darkness let me in. Welcome to Season 8 of the Trout Bitten Podcast. This season is a skill series about fishing for trout after the sun goes down. And for the next six episodes, we'll break down the night game into an outline that roughly follows the topics of a series that I published on Trout Bitten a couple of years ago, and it's kind of still ongoing, that's titled Night Fishing for Trout. So we're excited about this, and I have my night fishing friends with me, Josh, Trevor, and Austin. These are Honestly, the only night fishing buddies I've ever had. Because the truth is, most anglers simply will not fish in the dark very often. But these guys do. And it takes a certain kind of angler to pursue trout into the night. So let's start with that. This episode is about people, places, and things. That's what's getting us kicked off. So let's first discuss what kind of person, what kind of angler fishes after dark. And here, I think it's fair to say we don't mean someone who stays out through a late evening spinner fall and eventually finds themselves casting to water that they cannot see. We're talking about the dedicated pursuit of trout after dark, doing it on purpose, walking in when others are walking out, and fishing through the midnight hour sometimes. So how about this? As a quick introduction, let's have each of you tell us why, why you fish at night. 
Why do you do it? What part of you as an angler or as a person drives you into the darkness to fish at night as often as you do? So here are my friends, uh, Trevor Smith. Yeah. What do you have, bud? Why do you do it? I spent a while thinking about this and I, and I honestly think it's a bit of an evolving answer because I think curiosity brought me into it. And I think what's keeping me in it is maybe a bit of like frontierism or even the hunt, Ooh. you know, the fact that it's I like that. It's not something that I can rely a whole lot on previous in- information. I, there's very little out there when it comes to shared experience, either in written form or uh, online. And so it feels, feels like discovery and it feels like kind of pushing into new Everything that I experience, everything that I gather feels like new information that maybe hasn't, you know, been simulated before Mm. or assimilated before. So I kind of like that a lot. And I don't know, I I could probably answer this question for like 30 minutes straight. I know. Keep adding different (laughs) dynamics because I really do like, I like the camaraderie of it too. I love, I Mm -hmm. love fishing with Austin and you and Josh and, and just kind of that piece to it as well. But yeah, I'll stop The frontiersman. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Hadn't thought about that. Austin, Austin Dando, are you a frontiersman? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not as much as the rest of you are. Mm. Uh, But I would probably have a very similar answer to Trevor. I love how unpredictable it is. Each night I go in, it's like, well, what's going to happen tonight? I know. And, (laughs) uh, you know, I can't guess what's going to happen and what's going to work or what's not going to work. But similar to Trevor, there's a lot less boundaries or preconceived uh, information uh, compared to regular daytime fishing, which nearly all of uh, fly fishing uh, content is created upon. Mm. So you kind of get a new realm of creativity of creating flies, of creating wow. different yeah. drifts or whatever it may be that uh, you feel less uh, encumbered by in the nighttime than you do during the day for myself. Whew, that's good too. I like the creativity like part of yeah. that answer. That's so true. Because what you said, Trevor, there's, uh, you have to create something because there's not a whole lot of great information out there well, that actually right. works night after right. night. Hey, Josh, Josh Darling of Wilds Media. How about you, brother? What do you, why do you fish after dark? What's your primary motivation, you think? I think it started, it started as curiosity. I remember the first time I ever did it was with mm. Austin. He actually just sent a picture of like a journal that you he know. kept from back then. That was mm. pretty funny. Like, uh, fish with <laughs> Josh tonight, like some action or something yeah. like that. 2014. But, yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't do it that often. After that, I did it every once in a while on my own. Yeah. And then uh, and then I started having kids. And now we've had four of them. And mm-hmm. now that is the, the really the only, <laughs> some of the only opportunities I get for longer yeah. stretches of time on the river. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Another big part of it, and we've talked about this, but it's the, mm-hmm. it's the fear element. It's, the, it's that little bit of like, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what I'm getting myself into tonight. Let me yeah. tell it just a really brief story. When, oh, I, was, please, yeah. when I was young... We had a pond on our property and Mm -hmm. there was like this very small, like 12 foot by 10 foot island in the middle. And I remember, I remember like having a dream one night that I was like alone on that island and I was terrified of that dream. And Mm -hmm. I, uh, and I woke up and I don't know what compelled me to do this, but I'm like, I hate the fact that I'm afraid of that. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, the rest of the family was asleep. And I got up, I was like, I think I was like 11. Mm -hmm. And I got on the rowboat and I 
rowed out to the island with no lights and I got on the island and I just stood there just in the silence. Like, I will not Whoa. be afraid of this. Love that. <laughs> I don't even know if awesome. my family knows that that happened, but I was hmm. just young and I'm like, I don't want to be afraid of this. So I'm going to mm-hmm. put myself in it. And it, night fishing feels similar to me, especially night fishing alone. I obviously love night fishing with you guys, but mm-hmm. night fishing alone feels very similar to that. Like I'm, I'm going to just be here and overcome all of that, that in me. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. That is. <laughs> I love that. I wrote not too long ago that fear is the, the crackling spark plug. Yeah. That, uh, that's why I use that, that term. That drives mm-hmm. us out there. It's fear. Yeah. It is. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's a primary uh, driver for me too. All right, before we dive deep into this series, then uh, let me briefly explain what we do in these skills series. The Trout Bitten Podcast follows two different formats. And uh, this is neat. It breaks it up, makes things different for the listener, different for us. Uh, the odd-numbered seasons of 1, 3, 5, and 7 to this point are mostly free-form discussions with the Trout Bitten crew uh, centered around a different topic each week. But for these skills series, the idea is to really dig into the details of just one topic. And we do this over multiple episodes. The point is, there are plenty of resources out there that provide a broad overview of something like night fishing for trout. Now, we actually did exactly that almost a year ago on the Trout Pitten Podcast, and it served as kind of a primer for this series. You can go back and find that. That's what it's called, an introduction to night fishing for trout. I think it was June 2022. So summaries and broad rundowns of a topic are great, but this is Trout Pitten. And part of our charge is to get dirty with the details of things. We do it with everything. Everything we talk about, we like to really dig in. So Austin and I have done these skill series before in different seasons, covering essential skills for tight line and Euronymphing in nine parts, uh, three styles of dry dropper in a four-part series. And last winter in season six of the Trout Pitten Podcast, it was an eight-part skill series on winter fly fishing for trout. Now, again, the format here is informative more than it's fun and conversational, I suppose. Uh, the idea is to, you know, deliver some information, the things that we know or we think we know about night fishing. Uh, but I'm sure we'll have some laughs and share some stories along the way because, again, this is trout pitting. So let's do it, guys. Now, each of you told us why you night fish, what it is that motivates you to fish after dark. But for me, right now, I just... I just want to catch a fish in the dark. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm kind of back to. It's not about big trout. And I don't know that it ever really was. Sure, I love catching the big ones. We all do. Who doesn't? And I even like deliberately putting myself in situations in those places where I significantly raise my odds to catch a big trout. But night fishing lore, let's say, is so entangled with the pursuit of big trout that I think it's, it's kind of too much, really. Because I've learned for certain that night fishing is different here. It's not like the stories I hear from authors and fishing guides in other, let's say, select parts of the country. You can't pull from the river a fish that it does not hold. I like that. And this region does not have an abundance of two-foot trout, like some of the places where night legends are made. And are all of those legends even true? Of course not. But in some places, right? The reward then is not in the biggest trout caught. It's in the details of learning the night game. And I think each of, each of you touched on that. That's why you love this too. The return on the sacrifice, and that's what it kind of is. When we're night fishing, we know that we're sacrificing part of the next day. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. 
The return, then, is in catching any trout. And finding some of the largest fish in the system is a welcome event. That's the way I look at it. In truth, that's how I started. And then I went through a period of chasing namers after dark. And of course, they did not come frequently. It took a long time for me to make peace with all of that. But I think I'm there. After fishing hundreds of nights in all seasons for many years, I almost burned myself out on the night game. Because what I wanted, what I was searching for, those two-foot trout, just weren't there very often. But that was my goal for a while. And now my goals at night are different. And same as they were kind of back when I started night fishing. I just want to learn. I like to experience that unmatched solitude, really. And to find, just find fish and put a hook in them. Simple. (laughs) And when the big one's coming along, I enjoy that too. Guys, what do you think about the big trout part of the game? Good or bad? Night fishing absolutely is intertwined with big fish. Is that a good thing or bad thing? I mean, I think think fishing, as it's consumed by the public Mm. through social media, through what's written, through magazines, through YouTube, has an obsession with the big trout, right? And with big fish in general. And so I I think that the, the issue as it pertains to night fishing is just another example of what's going on in a bigger conversation in the industry where it's Mm -hmm. an obsession with size. And you see that in hunting where Mm. you just see Instagram will become riddled from September through January with huge, huge, you know, species of, of deer and elk. And, and it's hard. Like, I think, I think the problem is that if, if you're, creating such a a hierarchy of priorities where size of the species is like the highest value. I just think it's a pretty, like, it's a pretty vapid reason to Hmm. pursue night fishing because I think you will burn out on it, right? Mm -hmm. You will, it will, the excitement of catching that huge fish at nighttime will come to an end. Um, one, because nobody else will be there to see it. Um, you'll take a crappy picture of it. Um, or two, it just, in its own pursuit, size eventually will burn everybody out if they don't truly love the fishing that comes behind it. And I think, but I think your point is very on, right on the money. I think that when you talk about night fishing with people in general, the comment always comes up, almost always comes up first, like, oh, that you're going mm. after the big ones. Catching the big ones. Catching the big ones, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of a misperception. Yeah. I do think there probably are those people. I think the flare-outs, the people that kind of come on the scene and fish really hard for a year or two at night yeah. and then are gone are the ones that are just looking for the size of fish. And I think the ones that really stick with it, like you mentioned earlier, are ones who there's something else they fall in love with about it. Right on. Yeah, I think it's no I think it's a great thing. I think it's no good for longevity. Kind of what what Trevor said. But, but chasing them is an inspiration. That's what you mean oh, by a great sure. thing. There yeah, you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Josh is yeah, being honest about it. Nothing wrong with chasing a big fish. Man, I'm all right? for it, but eventually it's yeah. like that's like yeah. the uh that's like the elementary version of of night fishing is big fish and then eventually hmm. you have to move past that into maturity and hmm. just enjoy the process. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I like the way you put that. I quoted scripture there. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> We're just making it about night fishing. 
Hmm. I don't think it's neither yeah. good nor bad, but it comes down to the intention. Kind of like what we're saying. Yeah. If you're out there to catch big trout, I mean, you still have to catch one. I mean, you may go and go and mm-hmm. go and never catch one. And that trout's yeah. fine. It never got caught. But if you're out there to learn something, you're out there to explore something, you're out there just to be alone, yeah. then you win every time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it just comes down to where what your intentions are. Yeah. It's not good or bad, but sometimes you get both. Perfecting performance on the water with specialty products designed specifically for every application and species has been the mission of Sage since its founding in 1980. Proudly made in America, all Sage rods are handcrafted to perfection on a small island in the Pacific Northwest. Today, Sage continues to use the most innovative, world-class materials in their rods and reels, collaborating with experts and relentlessly testing products so they are refined for specialized use. Whether targeting tarpon in the Florida Keys, brook trout in Pennsylvania spring creeks, bass in the Midwest, or casting dry flies in Montana, Sage has the right tool for the job. For over a decade, Smith Creek has designed innovative, high-quality fly fishing accessories made to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. Check out the all-new tippet holder. Each unit is individually machined from billet aluminum and anodized in two eye-catching colors. They hold up the five tippet spools with a spring-loaded plunger that is quick and easy to use. The brand-new Rod Clip Plus comes with a stiff 304 steel pin and integrated carabiner clip, giving you two ways to attach it to your vest or pack. All Smith Creek products are built guide-tough and backed by solid customer service. To learn more about Smith Creek products, visit their website at smithcreek.co. Yeah, so we all know a few anglers who fish after dark once in a while, like guys who've done it a handful of times. But like, like Trevor said, you kind of flame out, you know? And they're not necessarily dedicated to it from the beginning. They're just curious. I say, that, I say lots of people are night fishing curious. And I see that in just the response to night fishing articles, that whole series, the night fishing for trout uh, series on, on trout pitting. It's well read. It's, it's passed around a lot. And yet, I mean, you guys know, we hardly see anybody out there at night, you know? So people don't do it very much, but they're, but they're very curious. So yeah, we know people who get into it, get right out of it real quick or do it three times a year. But we also know a few anglers who are a bit obsessed with trout at night. Uh, people that, like us, kind of just kind of need to be out there. Um, people who are driven by something that's different than, than what you get in the daylight. And we've been kind of talking through this, but and you guys know what I mean, but w- what is it? What else is there? I think back to kind of like what keeps me fishing at night. I really, I love the opportunity to fish tactics that I don't fish in the day very often. Nice. So whether that be the water type that I'm fishing, you know, fishing the edges versus fishing, you know, runs and, and other yeah. likely holding spots, whether that's swinging wet flies, which I really don't do much in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's, fishing larger streamers, you know, there's just some things that I do at nighttime that I don't do at other times. And I do kind of, I long, I'm like itching for the season and I say the season, but like for pretty much the warmer months are when I spend most of my time night fishing. Uh, We've, Josh and I have both night fished in the Mm -hmm. winter time, but yeah, but I, I, that brings me back a lot, but I, I don't know. I've really struggled to define that single kind of element that, because it, a lot of it is just like there's an emotion mm. and a feeling that I have when I get out and like you smell the night air, you're walking into the river, you get in the water 
and you're just surrounded by darkness. And it's almost, there's something incredibly calming about it and incredibly Mm -hmm. like peaceful and incredibly like you, you feel all your senses turn on. Nice. Except for sight, you know, sight has to shut down and being that that's your primary sense everything else turns on and you smell Mm. everything and you hear everything and your sense of touch is like really acute. It's just cool. It's a, it's hard to describe Mm -hmm. if you haven't done it, but I think I see all of you guys nodding your heads because I think you all, you you know that it's kind of hard to describe, but it's like, it's really, yeah. I I crave it. Big part of that I think is like how involved your imagination has to be in the process when you're night fishing and in a way that it quite just Mm -hmm. isn't, isn't quite during the day because Mm -hmm. when you're, because there's so much, so much mystery out there, and there's so many unanswered questions that, and you don't even know what your fly looks like moving through the water. Hmm. You're assuming what it looks like, and you're using mm-hmm. your imagination to like say, "This is what yeah. I think it looks like right now," and I'm gonna make, and I'm gonna make like physical changes based on what I think it's doing right now, or what I imagine mm-hmm. it's doing right now. And then, at some point, that lines up with what the fish do, and and then that's when an- questions are somewhat answered. Sweet. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to kind of be opposite of Trevor's feelings. I'm stepping into the river in the dark and feeling peace. I get I get like an, an adrenaline rush and an uneasiness at the same time. Yeah. So I'm excited and uh, happy to be there. But at the same time, I'm like, Ugh, this is... This is really different, <laughs> and and that's really exciting. You could call it fear, but it's it's something other than fear. It's just a, uh, I don't know, like you're on the edge of something. You're about to jump off. That's kind of how it feels to me. <laughs> nice. Well, your perimeter is just tight. You know, it's it's closed in. You might be able to kind of make things out 10, 15, maybe thirty or forty feet away. That's starting to really push it. To, even on even yeah. on brighter nights, you don't really mm-hmm. know what's out there beyond thirty yeah. or forty feet. And just that closed-in perimeter, it's just human nature to be a little scared, a little, yeah, scared, uneasy, whatever we want to call it. I love that, and I've acknowledged that. We're talking about it. Um, I like what you said, too, Trevor. For me, too, it's that every, I feel like everything I do is different. Instead of fishing upstream, I fish down. Mm. Instead of getting yeah. dead drifts, usually, I'm swinging flies. Not always. But yeah, we're going to talk about the tactics, too. I do plenty of dead drifting when I uh, fish nymphs and whatnot at night. We're going to get into all that, but... Um, the tactics that I use at night are things that I hardly ever do during the daytime. And so when I started getting into night fishing, I was like, well, this is really neat because this is something completely new for me to learn and try to get some facility with. And I spent long days and weeks and months or whatever trying to do night fishing tactics during the day just so i could see it and see the you know see what my fly would do like josh is saying it takes a lot of imagination so i'd do it during the day just to see well if if i kind of do this wiggle and hang what's Mm. that fly really do you know Mm. i love that i love how all the tactics and even the approach to the water is often completely different instead of fishing the middle and the nice juicy runs i'm fishing the edges We'll talk about all that too in, in right upcoming on. podcasts. It is, it's that environment. You said the feeling. What do you say, Trevor? Mm. The emotion. Yeah. The, yeah. There is an emotion. I think emotion's a, almost a better description for it because it's beyond yeah. just like a, it's not a, oh, we, and it's not entirely a physical feel. It's deeper. You're right. Mm-hmm. And the last thing for me is I, I love being alone. Mm. And Austin, where you and I met the other night, that mm-hmm. spot is as far away as I know that I can get and, and have that kind of fishing. Yeah. Um, 
literally no lights, no sounds. Miles and miles back. Right. And there you are. And you and I were together that night, and that was great. But even the time times when I was, I don't know, 100 yards or, or so away from you, and I didn't exactly know where you, I, I had mm-hmm. that feeling of that solitude. Yep. yep. Uh, there was that safety, though, of knowing that I had another person with me. I could have hollered real loud. <laughs> Something really scary popped out. I don't know, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Like a man on an inner tube. <laughs> All that stuff, man. That's why we love it. Yeah. So without a doubt, there are certain regions and rivers where night fishing produces bigger trout than others. Uh, some Michigan locations are legendary for night fishing, and they're set up for it. Low gradient waters with deep bends, undercut banks, and a river bottom lined with logs and tree parts that don't wash out. And some of those rivers, too, are connected to lakes. Like That's big fish water. Yeah. And then a few southern states have tailwaters known for big trout as well. Some of these rivers are stocked with fingerlings that essentially feed the big trout and make them even bigger. And these trout are conditioned to larger food forms then. They are looking for a big meal. That's what they eat every day. And that too makes for good night fishing. Likewise, swinging mouse patterns in Michigan is a nighttime staple that has spread across the country. And no moment is more heart-stopping than a surface take from a huge brown trout after dark. You, yeah. you yeah, guys, you, you agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. it. If they'll eat on the surface, <laughs> yes, please. I'll do that yeah. all night long. <laughs> it's just like a, the more, almost the more like still and at peace you are, there is something violent about it. And it's violent. a very predatory thing. <laughs> nice. And you kind of sense that it's a predatory thing and you, it's a violent thing. And it is in such contrast to the rest of what's going on at night mm-hmm. that I think it's just that much more startling and it jolts you out of your reverie of just oh. like oh, yeah. I, before the first strike at almost every night out but especially the first times of the season out you're almost you are almost a little bit like you're just like nervous for it mm-hmm. yeah it's like doing a jack-in-the-box and you're just like starting to whine <laughs> real slow <laughs> like, oh, no. that's yeah, nice it's coming it's that's coming. nice kind of feel like yeah. you're not at the top of the food chain either right, right. you know like <laughs> yeah. the predator yeah. aspect like, normally oh we are gosh. the predator during the daytime now we also feel like maybe i'm the prey what am i doing out here yeah <laughs> that's it. true very true i love that the anticipation that for the first one in the night is mm. always way bigger it feels like it does kind of break the ice after the first time you've had that happen on top for the evening and it, it returns the next time you go out mm-hmm. but that first time is always it, it kind of calms everything down after that. Mm-hmm. that the fishing explosion. gets easier after yeah. after you experience yeah. the first one of the night. Right <laughs> on. That explosion on top, and especially that first one of the night, or especially yeah. even of the season, if you haven't really heard and felt if you've never felt that, then mm-hmm. we can't explain it. Right. But if you are a right. night fisherman and you have had that surface take, mm. now we will. We're gonna have a, a full podcast on basically fishing surface flies, right? That's coming. And a lot of people will group all surface stuff into mousing. Yeah. When we have a mousy merger podcast, we did that. It was season, it was the first season. It was the episode, it was episode four, season one. We did the, the mousy merger concept. Go back and listen okay. to that, you know? Yeah. Um, we'll touch on that, I'm sure, when we're talking about surface flies. Um, whether they take it as a mouse or not, I, I don't know that we know that. I don't know that we care. But let's say mousing has been tried nationwide and worldwide, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but sure. just like, the let's say large articulated streamer game 
I think it's helpful to realize that every river is unique. They won't always respond to that. So the For trout sure. in your, your own watershed may not, again, respond to the, the, the same night patterns and presentations that they do on the White River in Arkansas, for mm. example. Hey, spot burner. Hey, now. <laughs> now, those rivers and others from Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, New York, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania have garnered a reputation for night fishing. They've attracted attention and curious anglers willing to rig up after the sun goes down. Men and women brave enough to stand against the sights and sounds of the darkness. Anglers who are drawn into the mystery that we're talking about. But night fishing is an option anywhere you find trout. And once the sun sets, the river, the trout, and the way you fish for them changes. Do you guys agree with that? Can you night fish anywhere that you have trout? I think so. I mean, I think, I think it's important to say at the onset, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I've, none of us think that we're the authority on night fishing. And I, I think, right. you know, all that we say throughout this podcast, we're going to talk from our own <laughs> Josh. <might be. laughs> Josh is the authority. We're going to talk for our own, from our own, but we have not, none of us have fished every river across the country. None of us have fished every river in our own state. Yeah. And even among the rivers that we fish here within our own state, we have vastly different experiences, even fishing those rivers Mm -hmm. um, with the same tactics. And so we'll speak from what experience we have in those those rivers, but I certainly think that there's every reason to believe from the biology of trout and behavior of trout feeding that trout feed on a 24 hour cycle. And at certain times of the year, many trout feed even preferentially at night due to higher temperatures in the daytime, Mm -hmm. just from a metabolism standpoint. So I think it's very fair to say that night fishing can be done anywhere there are trout. Agreed. I think just because you can catch trout anywhere doesn't mean that that's what you should you should just target the same kind of thing that you might target during the day obviously even even if we're talking about the same exact river like let's let's say you're in town i'm sure that would work but we've found that if there's a lot of light above the surface that doesn't work very well and so Mm. it helps to get out of the situations like that because night fishing in a place like that where there is a lot of light above the water all the time especially at night it's probably from our experience, not going to be all that good. So I wouldn't say that you should night fish there. Mm-hmm. I, I've even gone as far as to say, is to tell people that's not night fishing. Like if you're under <laughs> the, the, if you can see I everything mean, as well as you can during the day. I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. My neighbor told me I went down downtown. They put the they put that new walkway in. It's got all those lights. I was night fishing. I said, well. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't yeah, matter what you call it, but it, it is different. <laughs> You're not going to have any of that fear we're talking about. You're not going to even have any of that mystery. And I don't know. The, that emotion, I don't think, is going to be there. No, are those the most the important same. things? They are to us, we just said. Uh, but I also agree with Josh. I don't think, in my experience, the fishing is even going to be the same. If the lights are all, always on, those trout do not respond the same way. They do not go through the same habits that they do in areas that are light and then dark, light and dark. Yeah, Josh and I actually, one of the pieces of water that we have fished at night over the past few years, Mm. they replaced all the street lights with LEDs from Mm. incandescent bulbs Mm. and the fishing changed drastically. No kidding. And just because of the increase in light on the water. 
So yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that very clearly. I think while you may be able to fish anywhere there are wild trout or if anywhere there's trout, um, fish what you know the best first. And of mm. course, we all agree by that. We all stand by that as a principle. Don't venture into waters at night uh, that you aren't comfortable with during the daytime or know it during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be as intimate with that water as possible, especially when you're first getting started, getting used to wading through the rivers when you can't see your feet very well, uh, when you can't see what's around you very well, until you build up some awareness. Uh, stick to stick to your home water, stuff that you know really well before you venture further out. Well, Austin, where you and I met the other night, what was I complaining about the most? Yeah, you be- hadn't been there in a while and stuff had changed yeah. and the water yeah. was higher than what you were used to uh, <laughs> seasonally as well. So it made it feel like a different river too, right? right? on. And I just didn't know where the brush piles were and where the overhanging branches were. It'd probably been six months, four, five, six months since I'd been there. We all know how quickly our rivers change. Um, yeah, that mental image can wash away. That's the thing. I didn't have that. That's right. That's That's what it was. All night, I didn't. I did not have that mental image. And occasionally, you know, we'd do a bank flash with the light that we'll talk about later, what we do with lights and whatnot. In general, we should say we just keep the lights off. I mean, 99% of the time. Yep. Yeah, that was tricky. Austin, Trevor, and I all fished night fish together, what, a couple, two weeks ago, something, three weeks ago, something like that. And yeah. I hadn't been to that stretch of water in a long time. And it had changed yeah. since the last time I was there. And that was, that was pretty tricky. I was like, yeah. I was like, Austin, I know you were here not long ago. What's, what's up there? Like, yeah. what, what does it look like <laughs> yeah. up there? I was like, describe it to me. <laughs> yeah. You still did the best though. So <laughs> well, that's why I'm, that's why I'm the authority. <laughs> Let that speak for itself. I was there like the week before and you smoked me. <laughs> so we should say this series is about fly fishing for trout in rivers, mostly wade fishing too. We've all floated. We've all floated our rivers. I will say that's a commitment. <laughs> if you're floating and you have 10 miles, yeah. whew, you're not getting out until 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I enjoy wade fishing at night far more than I do uh, floating at night. And I've done it enough to tell you why I like it. Um, we're also not talking about fishing private water or, or an easy setup in a trout pond. Now, I mean, go do that and have fun, right? But that's not, that's not what we're really talking about because those areas will kind of give you what we call a setup. You know, trout will do, well, unexpectedly, let's say, predictable things in those kind of areas. This is a game about chasing large, natural fish in wild places. It's not about fishing over spawning trout at night either. We should point that out. Like you can, I mean, we, we night fish all the way through the winter, early spring. For us, I mean, we'll fish 365, night fish, 365. And I've done it during the spawn, but I'm very careful. And I will not target spawning fish during the day. I won't do it at night. Um, It's also not about setting up over a pod of thermally stressed fish with their noses at the mouth of a cold tributary for refuge either. Like that's cheap. Don't do that. I mean, in the summertime, you know, they have hoodow restrictions, you know, in states out west. And, uh, well, it's unethical to just go right where you know all the trout are and just start swinging over them. That's not what we do. Basically, there should be no gimmies. If it's easy, if night fishing is easy, then something's wrong. That's the way I think we look at it. So what about the water types? As we're talking about places here, we've done people, and now we're kind of talking about the places and in town and out of town and, and, and familiar waters. What about the water types? What sections do you fish most? As we get into the tactics... We're going to talk about what water types, you know, suit those tactics best. But briefly, if somebody's like, hey, I'm going night fishing, what, what water should I target? How is this different than the daytime? Or is it 
Is it different? What do you think? What are the places? What are the water types? I think if we're going in, and we can talk more about the actual types, but like on first approach to a river, I, I think I certainly look for what's the prime spot during the day. And then okay. I'm going to try to find the soft water that surrounds that, especially nice. bank water. And so like, I don't, I don't want to get too far away from prime water during the day because I don't think that they move that far at night. I think they do move, certainly. But I don't think that generally they move all that far. And so if I do want to target maybe the best fish of that area, then I'm going to go to a place I know, go to a place that I know this holds good fish in the daytime. I'm going to find the soft stuff that I think that they'll move into to feed on bait fish and such that surrounds it, that's above or below it. Great idea. That. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm similar. I, I really do think though, that there's fish out there to be had that are in a broader variety of locations. I think the concentration of the type of fish that we're targeting may we we've found formula that seems to work well for that. And I think this is where reading what has been written about night fishing in the past sort hmm. of haunts me a little bit because yeah. I read mm-hmm. Humphreys and I read, um, Bash line. Bash line, right? And they talk so much about the use of swing of wet flies in mm-hmm. riffles and in like moving water. And part of me is so intrigued by the ability to kind of nail that down. And and yet when I read at least bash line, bash line would sort of systematically work these sections, switching through different wet flies until he finally found mm-hmm. what he thought was the right combination. Yeah. And and I don't do that. I don't have that patience at night sometimes and i really this is i have a lot that i'm excited about at night for the future and that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that i really want to spend more time doing and to a limited extent and especially on nights when we've had slower fishing in general in the locations that we would typically target i have had some success swinging smaller flies through water that isn't like traditionally what we're finding fish in Mm -hmm. not on the bank lies not in the slowest stuff but it's it's low yield, um, and it's, everything is at night to such an extent that it can be really hard to draw inferences from that because you get you have success in one location, and it you may not have success there the rest of the night, and so it's so hard yeah. to say like was that a fluke, was that a roving fish that I just managed to hook up with in that mm. particular water type, or did I actually target a fish or find a fish that was doing exactly what I was hoping he was doing, and I had the right combination of wet flies on, and so I should. Hmm. you know target that strategy in the future as well so i don't know there's there's so much i i i feel like i'm we're just like like it's tip of the iceberg kind of stuff like i think there's a lot more to discover here right on some of my favorite water this summer uh which actually i think relates probably a lot to what you were saying josh was um i find that i i do well on like merger seams or transition seams off of a nice riffle or um, maybe like the backside of a stall off of Mm. a nice riffle where there's some depth, but it's not too deep. It's not super shallow. And what you're explaining of find good water during the day and and look for surrounding water, holding water at night is probably what I'm running into. Um, So I like, I like what you said there, but yeah, the sides of riffles off the merger seams, transition seams into the kind of slower edges from the good stuff is, is what I've been doing best in. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten crew has a case of new trail broken heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. 
New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Troutbitten's favorite beer. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. I think the tactics really need to suit the water type. I find that at night there's less, let's say, variety or less forgiveness. I feel like in the day I could catch uh, trout on nymphs in, oh, 90% of the water. Even dry flies, maybe 75 or 80% of the water if they'll come up. Uh, at night, mm, I really feel like I need to get the tactic to suit the water type quite a bit more, yeah. right? Like 50% or, or something like that. And I'll say this, there there aren't a lot of great night fishing resources out there, but the ones that I trust will tell you, fish the tailouts, fish the pools, and fish soft bank water. Now, all of us find that to be very successful <laughs> on a good night. Successful, yeah. you know. We have some of our best success, in, in for bigger trout too, in those areas. I think, though, the reason those areas are recommended is because they are the easiest to fish too. You have more control over your fly when it's not going real fast, right? It's easier to wade those kinds of areas. They're easy to approach. They're easy to re-fish as well. Like you could go through the same tail out two or three times in a night and have great success the third time, even though maybe you had mediocre success the first and second time. I think that because they're easier to approach and fish, I think they're more often recommended. And people who have night fished have just spent time in those places because they're easier. And because night fishing is hard, so you're looking for something, well, easier to do, because even that's not easy. Yeah, I like what you said about just matching the tactic to what you're, what you're trying to fish. And I do think that, like, we should be trying everything. I mean, gosh, like, like Trevor, you hooked, into, you hooked into a huge fish in a place that we wouldn't generally say that's good. I mean, that was like a, somewhere between a hole and a pool. It was very deep, and it was like, yeah. but it's similar to in the daytime when you don't want to ask too much of the trout. Yeah. You know, and so, and that's, that's kind of what I think you're saying. They have the right tactic for the spot. Like if you're fishing a pool, uh, or let's, let's say if you're fishing a hole mm-hmm. and we're dealing with multiple feet of water, then sure. you don't want to ask the trout to come to the surface. Most likely, sure. you know, you want to meet them. And it's, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I think that's a good day. It's a good thought. Good way of putting it. There are like a hundred things that go into it. And I mean, I really have. I feel like I've done a lot of different things at night. And when I started night nymphing, I started doing that when I kind of realized how I could make a night cider out of a piece of glow-in-the-dark fly line. We will do a podcast on how to nymph at night, some of the stuff we know. When I started doing that, I remember oh, for a couple of weeks, I was like, I got it. This is it. <laughs> and and because I had some really good nights with it. I thought, wow, I'm I would just nymph the water that I normally would in the daytime. But now I was catching... 
fish at night and sometimes bigger on average fish at night. And I was really pleased with the success. And then, of course, it didn't last, right? It tapered off. And then I was like, man, I need to go back to, well, some of those other areas, the banks and the tailouts and the pools and the topwater stuff or the, the mouse emerger stuff. Now I like to kind of mix it all together. And on many nights, I'll do what I like best, right? Or what I really think the trout should respond to most. But if they really won't hit in those traditional night fishing, let's say, locations, I enjoy going to get them in really some fast. I've caught fish in the wintertime in some fast, I mean fast stuff. Um, but you get the fly down and you slow it down. I tend to drop shot at night with a nymph. And I'm saying nymph. I'm talking about like small buggers usually. Listen to me getting into nymphing. I get excited about it. <laughs> we'll get into the details another time. <laughs> I like it. I guess what we're saying is the water types, you can, you can make the whole river work. I think you can make the whole river work if you have, to have the tactics for it. I don't think trout are just going to the edges and going to the tailouts to feed. Although a lot of times, they certainly do. This is making me want to go fish. I know. <laughs> it's nighttime right now. What <laughs> yeah, is it? What are you guys doing after this? You guys want to meet up? <laughs> what are you doing next? <laughs> <laughs> the neat thing, though, is we could all be at a, on trout in what, like five minutes? Right? Five yeah, to ten minutes. Much. We could be fishing, fishing for trout at night. I got a brook trout in ten minutes, but that counts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess small brown trout, too. Um, so I think all of us here agree that having a full range of tactics is maybe the best way to approach the night game. Um, if you're going to be out there often and really trying to learn what trout are doing at night, because just like the daylight hours, if you set out with only dry flies in your box, for example, you're essentially casting your line into a river and hoping with luck as your only ally or your best ally. Like you will have moments with mouse flies, like stunning, thrilling hookups that pump adrenaline through your veins. But if your tactics are one-dimensional, you will also strike out far more than you hit a home run. And sure, you can pass all of that off as a fisherman on the hunt for a trophy. Or you can get down to business, adapt to the fish and to your river, and discover what the trout really want. So this series, Night Fishing for Trout, will cover the things we need to succeed. Uh, the things like gear, like rods, lines, leaders, night sighters, flies, headlamps, and, and a lot more. We'll also cover the things we need to do to catch trout. The tactics, the methods, the techniques, like the topwater stuff, mid-column and deep-water tactics. Like I just said, nymphing. Like the difference between drifting and swinging. Fishing wet flies, like we're talking about. Fishing streamers, kind of traditionally and non-traditionally. Dry flies, again, night nymphing. Is there more? Did I cover it all? <laughs> that so. might be it. It's pretty good. <laughs> all right. Good enough. So we'll cover locations and conditions too. Fishing the shallows, the, the backwaters, and the heavier currents. Fishing under moonlight, water clarity, and weather conditions. The changes in seasons, and a lot more. And lastly, there are a few unique or maybe uncommon, let's say, things that we'll share throughout this series as well. You guys have any of them? Before we get out of here, you want to bring up a couple, maybe, maybe, I don't know, uncommon things that we do or that aren't talked about a lot? I think there's a lot of things that are unique about it. I think your, your tackle is pretty unique at night. And because of that, the way you fight fish and even how you hook a fish at night in terms of just patience in allowing them to take the presentation is pretty mm -hmm. different. And That's so I think point. it's worth, worth some discussion. What do you do there? 
I mean, the big thing that's difficult at night is to give the fish time to take the take the fly. And I mm-hmm. mean, I would say specifically that's for a topwater presentation. Underwater, it's a subtle take. Typically, Isn't, at least in yeah. my experience, you sort of like come tight to a fish, and Strange you sort of like to me. Yeah. you're like, oh, I'm on a rock, and nope, <laughs> it's a fish. Whereas the surface, that's the one that I think really takes some work because it's such a startling event when they strike a, a fly on the surface, but they almost never have the fly in a position that you can hook them well initially. And so you can get lucky and they hook themselves on the first strike, but it seems like a lot of times it takes a little bit of patience, like a three Mississippi, <laughs> before you can really tighten up to that fish and expect to have any good results. So that's, that's something that we've all, yeah, we've had to work on. Yeah. Why do you think they hit so hard on the surface? And I agree with you, like often the, the takes under the surface, even on big flies, even swinging them and stripping them, they're, they're pretty subtle. I'm like, oh, oh, that is a fish. Like, why is that? You got a theory on that? Uh, well, I'm like opposite than you guys. I feel like I get super aggressive takes under the surface at night. You don't. Um, you just almost fell just over. coming tight. I don't. I don't. I don't feel that way. Really? On the surface, I kind of think. All right, think of like a great white shark, mm-hmm. and it's zooming up underneath the uh, its mm-hmm. prey. It's not going to expose itself and let its know let the prey know it's there for a while and then decide to eat it. It's going to go in and kill it right away. And then it doesn't want any second takes. It just wants to destroy it on the first take. So that's what I think they're trying to do. They're trying to get away with something uh, that they normally maybe couldn't do during the daytime. And then go right back down. We see them turn down right after they eat a dry fly. At night, though, I feel like they bump it. But the, the size is much larger normally. Fair, My theory. Of a fly. Has, he's only yeah. fishing for big trout, guys. He's only Just big no, trout. He said the fly. The no, fly. the size of the, the fly. fly. Oh. <laughs> Don't make me sound elitist. <laughs> My theory has always been that I think that they're trying to stun or kind of yeah. just like disable or wound or, you know, if it's a moth, they're trying to make it unable to fly. If it's a... Yeah a mouse or whatever it is, whatever it is they think are a frog. They're trying to one, get a feel of really what it is. Yeah. And two, they're trying to somehow maim it enough that they can then eat it if they want to, or let it go if they decide that it's not worth it. Yeah. I feel like at night they, I I feel like they think they have that luxury. It's nighttime. Nothing's going to pick me off up here. Josh, sorry. I was going to, I agree. The two biggest fish that I've ever caught at night, were like that. They hit it first, and luckily at that point, I waited and didn't take it mm-hmm. out of the water, and then they took it. And it was there was a very big difference between the two. Like you didn't feel it; you just saw them hit the fly. Like you could see it, you know, like a big splash, big mm-hmm. fish hit the fly, but he did not take it, and he just left mm-hmm. it in the water three, four seconds, and then took it. And both of the biggest fish that I've caught at night were like that. You think I, it was on purpose, yeah. right? I do not think it was like on purpose. No, they I missed it, went back. It didn't look like they yeah. missed it. Yeah. I agree. Cool. I still have written down, you know, the first summer of night fishing that we did. I used to keep my ratios of like hits and strikes to hookups. And this was prior to us really, one, prior to the design of the mouse emerger pen dragging concept, but two, before we even had an idea of how to wait long enough. And we would get 10 strikes and and not just Mm -hmm. a strike like you saw the strike, but you'd feel a tug. And then we would immediately yeah. be striking and, and almost never would we hook up. And we were just so frustrated by that continual. It was exciting, but it was also really frustrating 
Um, and I would say now it's like way better than 50, 50. I mean, mm. you know, it's like 75% of the fish that strike. I think we pretty much, we expect to hook, um, that's high. It, it changes. Some nights that's are good. not quite that good, but yeah. You need to go out with Trevor more. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. That's good. That's cool. But yeah, I just think it's changed so much as we've sort of adopted a strategy that waits. Like the fish that hook themselves, you sort of don't need to do anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, And to your point, Austin, we have fish that under the surface, if they strike hard and they're just, they hook themselves and they yeah. realize it and they kind of go berserk. Yeah. That's just, a, you. it's great. You didn't have to do anything different, but. So that's a cool point. I think that's a really unique or uncommon thing about night fishing. And we talked about a couple of other things. For me, I said I, almost everything is backwards, just the way I approach approach the river, fishing downstream instead of up and, and all those things. We're going to get into a lot of those. You know, in this series, a bunch of things that I'm looking forward to talking about and sharing. Um, but those are, uh, those are in the next episodes, right? You guys have anything else? We should have night nymphed the other night, Dom. I agree, right? Because the water was coming <laughs> Listening up. Listening to you talk about it. I know. Like, ah, should have done that. I know. And it takes longer at night than it does during the day for me to switch over to nymphing just because, yeah, sure. well, I'm under a red lamp, you know, a dim red lamp and trying to do it. Uh, but it only would have taken three or four minutes, maybe five minutes to tie a couple smaller buggers on, get after it. We could have stayed out there for another uh, hour and a half, but we went back and uh, <laughs> had a couple beers instead. Yep. <laughs> Sounds good, too. <laughs> that was just as good. Yeah. All right. There it is. Night Fishing One. People, places, and things. In truth, you'll find your own motivations to be out there after dark. Maybe it's the mystery of the moment. Maybe it's the solitude, the quiet, and the peace of a starlit night. Or maybe it's fear that draws you in. And the understanding that anything can happen out there at any time. Or maybe it is the thrill of chasing big trout, because the predators we catch at night are certainly larger on average than what comes to the net in the daylight. So you can night fish for trout anywhere they're found. But with a bit of experience, you learn to choose your spots too. And the things we learn at night open the door to a new set of techniques and to a deeper understanding about the habits of the trout we've been chasing for years. All right, the next episode of this Night Fishing for Trout skills series is all about light. Because although night fishing associates with darkness, the truth is that light, in so many forms, is the key to success out there. That's why episode two is about moonlight, starlight, and city light, headlamps, flashlights, and glow-in-the-dark stuff. We'll talk about all of that next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. My friend Austin, will you read us out? Sure thing. Okay, so remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 1,000 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tip Series in collaboration with Wild Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because that really does help. Till next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's a hard pause at the end. That's good, right? I'll throw it in once more.
is really different. It's like doing a jack-in-the-box. Yes, please. It's just cool. And that trout's fine. It never got caught. Hey, now. I see. I see what you mean. Okay. Well, why do you think they hit so hard? At- oh, look at this guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Austin just fell over. Stop drinking, man. <laughs>